0: We welcome you to Live from the Pullman National Monument, our global cast magazine format talk radio show, where we discuss all things cultural, economic development, i.e. tourism, and we hold informative conversations on the arts, music, business, and people. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes, founder of the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porting Museum, a national park service site, in Chicago, Illinois. Good day to you, my listening audience, and we thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Today's show is brought to you by the Pullman Messenger Magazine, and Hughes-Peterson Publishing, partially underwritten by United Auto Workers, Local 551, and the Chicago Neighborhood Initiative. In the tradition of this program, live from the Pullman National Monument, we've established coming on explaining to you, the listening audience, about the Pullman National Monument. The Pullman National Monument is a thematic district. The themes for the National Pullman National Monument are labor and architectural history. Uh, the, the town is famous for its Queen Anne eighteenth century, nineteenth century uh, architecture. The town was built by George Pullman, who was the owner creator, founder of the Pullman Rail Car Company. Mr. Pullman built the town for the people who worked for him, well, most of the people who worked for him. He built the town to provide housing for the people who worked in the factory. They were carpenters, cabinet makers, machinists, that kind of thing. And he wanted to build housing for them because he wanted to ensure that they had a place to live that was close to his factory in that he was a very astute businessman. And so providing housing for his employees that was steps from his factory meant that he could always count on his employees being at work and on time. But Mr. Pullman had two categories of employees. He had those uh, employees that I just named for you. And he also had African-American railroad employees who were the onboard crew for the Pullman Rail Car Company. They did not live in the Pullman Company because they were African-Americans and because of the racial climate and conditions of that time. They could not live in Pullman, so the people who worked as the onboard crew for the Pullman Company lived in a community in the city of Chicago known as Bronzeville. So, the the connection for African Americans to the Pullman National Monument is that they worked for the company that was located in the Pullman National Monument, but the recognition for the people who were working for the Pullman Company as the onboard crew. Most specifically, the ones that have the claim to fame are the ones that brought the most distinction. And those who uh, created history with the Pullman Company were the Pullman Porters, who later became known as the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. They were the formulators of the first African-American labor union in the country. They were the first to win a collective bargaining agreement with a major U.S. corporation, which happened to be the Pullman Company. And so that is the significance for labor history. It is the black labor history connection for the Pullman National Monument. President Barack Obama designated the Pullman National Monument, the community of Pullman, as a Pullman National Monument in February of 2015. And so we are basically catching up, if you will. There were a number of entities, we were already here, already doing what we do, each of us in our own respective niches, Before President Obama designated the area. Case in point, there is the Historic Pullman Foundation, who operates a house tour, an annual house tour. Then there is the Pullman Factory, which is most famously referred to as the Pullman Clock Tower. That, that is the building that was the site of the Pullman factory where they actually made uh, the train cars, and it was the offices of the Pullman company. They are also uh, at 111th and Cottage Grove. That particular property is now owned by the state of Illinois and has been, I believe, for maybe 10 years uh, but that building is not open to the public on a daily basis. You visitors may go to that factory and tour the building by appointment only. The Historic Pullman Foundation, which is at 112th and Cottage Grove, is currently shared with uh, or shared by the National Park Service and the Historic Pullman Foundation. The National Park Service is currently working uh, on building or building out their visitor center, which will become the official visitor center for the Pullman National Monument, and it will physic- be physically located in the Pullman Clock Tower. But until they finish, they are currently sharing the space at the Pullman Visitor Center, which is which is at 112th, and Cottage Grove. I'm not sure what the name is going to be once they finish because you won't be able to have two visitor centers, but but that is where they are physically operating out of now. Then you have the Hotel Florence. It was the hotel that was uh, in place for the people who came to visit Pullman. Uh, it is now under construction, and we are still not clear what that's going to be, uh, you can visit that as well by appointment only. Then there is the greenstone church. The greenstone church has a history uh, its significance is that is because of the bricks are green limestone that were that was distinctive at the time, and apparently it still is that 's number one. The second thing is because of the organ that is there which apparently has um, major significance. And then, of course, there's the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum, of which I happen to have the honor of being the founder. It is a 22-year-old African-American labor history museum. And while it is small in size, the the historic significance uh, has national acclaim in that it is the first African-American labor history in the U.S. It is the only one of its kind worldwide. The museum is open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 11 to 4, and the admission is $5. I make a point of saying that because all of the buildings that I named in this discussion are owned by the state or the federal government, and so they do not charge uh, an admission because they don't have to. We're not in that capacity yet. We do not have a written agreement with the federal government that would allow us to have a free admission, but we're working on it. We have one new restaurant. It's called the Pullman Cafe. It is at 113th and Champlain So I hope that that provides you, the listening audience, with the kind of information that you need uh, for your visiting of the Pullman National Monument. Each of the entities that I make reference to has their own individual websites and you can follow them. But of course, you can visit the A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum uh, and the information that I have provided for you is displayed there on each entity under Pullman National Monument. So I hope that that provides you with information that you need that will help better help you understand what about what's going on with the Pullman National Monument. We are going to take a quick break and come right back with our first guest. Visit the
1: PullmanBorderMuseum.com where you can purchase an annual membership at the level of your choice. And, of course, visit our website here to find out more about the show live from the Pullman National Monument at bbsradio.com forward slash live from PNM to contact us.
2: Something without warning, love, bears heavy on my mind.
0: And we are back. I love our music. I do. I just love our music. I'm here grooving on my own thing here. (laughs) Our next guest is Paula Reynolds. She is the founder of the American Tour Guide Association. She is a certified travel industry specialist and a leader in hospitality when it comes to tourism. Paula was passionate about travel and decided to make it her career. She started on the West Coast and migrated to the East Coast and now serves all 50 states in the United States. Paula, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you for having me, Dr. Hughes. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, we're excited to have you here with us today and why don't you um, begin by giving us a little background on yourself and your business? And what about how you began? What made you start the business?
2: Well, I had a real passion for travel. And I said to myself, I'm going to travel the world when I retire someday. And then I thought, you know, retiring is a long ways away. <laughs> and then I said, why don't I make travel my lifestyle? And that's exactly what I've done. Um, I travel in my spare time on my own to other countries. And then I escort tours throughout the United States here, throughout all the 50 states. And uh, I just feel so fortunate to be able to have work that involves culture and food and travel. Uh, It's a lot of fun.
0: Tell me this. When you say you, you're you just traveling, it's a little bit more than that. I, I read somewhere that you have traveled to 38 countries. So that's a little bit more than, <laughs> than just traveling. I would love to have you to share with our listening audience about those visiting in those 38 countries. That is absolutely amazing.
2: Well, you know, you have to be open-minded if you're going to set foot outside the United States. So that's the first thing you have to do. And you have to be open to new experiences and adventures. And I've had so much fun meeting wonderful people all around the world. I've been anywhere from the jungle to a five-star hotel. And they're all wonderful experiences, but they're very, very different. Um, Two years ago, I went to the Amazon jungle. And I got to spend Christmas in a village uh, with a bunch of families. And that was one of the best Christmases I ever had. They had me up there dancing and singing and playing. And we had a wonderful time. And I thought, these people don't even know me. (laughs) They welcomed me into their home and treated me like family. And here they were out in the middle of this beautiful, beautiful Amazon forest and I thought, wow, now that's a memory. That's a memory that I will always have for the rest of my life. So that was one of my experiences at the Amazon jungle. Um, I've also been to places like Germany, uh, where you go from city to city, and you're seeking out information sometimes about that country, but sometimes you end up finding more about your own country when you start to travel. So for example, when I was in Germany, I found out they had a museum dedicated to John F. Kennedy. And I thought, wow, here's a country who really respected our president so much that they built a museum in his honor. Uh, So you have all these different experiences when you travel uh, that open up your mind.
0: Tell us, give us a glimpse of what it's like to visit other countries, and you, you, you know, we in the United States, we see all the media coverage about how so many people or the different countries don't like us, and 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 it's sort of one-sided. And one of the things that I've learned from the international visitorship that frequents our museum, there's a there's a totally different impression that they have about the United States as opposed to what the media in the United States tells us what people think about us.
2: Exactly. Tourists tend to see business and politics in the media, but those are not the average people in the United States. And so when people are visiting me here, one of the compliments I always get is, wow, you Americans are so nice. But of course we are. Who told you that we weren't? (laughs) Uh And then when I travel abroad, um, people are always kind and very welcoming and trusting of me. Uh, just like that family that brought me into their home in the jungle. I thought, wow, these people were kind enough and to just open the doors. Uh, one time I was backpacking through Germany and it was getting late and I had to find a place to, to sleep. And this family goes, oh, you're welcome to stay at my house tonight. And I'm thinking, you don't even know me. <laughs> And you're willing to open your door. So people do love Americans. Uh, They love the American people. But you have to separate the people from the media and what they're showing. Uh, Truly, Americans are nice, hospitable people. And uh, the international visitors do like Americans. That's what
0: I discovered. On your bio, I see they refer to you as a USA travel destination specialist. Explain that to us.
2: Right. So in other words, when people want to visit a particular region, um, I've done all the research to cater to their custom tours. So everyone in our organization is trained, uh, to be able to find the information that we need in order to take the people on the tours. I mean, we get some very unusual requests and we accommodate them. I think one of the, uh, most bizarre requests was, is I had a couple who wanted to trace their family lineage in New York City. They wanted to go find a store that they owned. They want me to go help them find the graves where they were. (laughs) I mean, we were running over the city and really we weren't seeing any typical sightseeing things. And they were so appreciative just to have someone who knew how to navigate through the city quickly and to be able to get them to where they wanted to go. So being a destination specialist just means that um, we understand how to get the information to be able to get our tourists to where they need to go.
0: The underlying topic that we talk about at every opportunity on this show, and when when we say that this show is all about tourism, uh, cultural economic development, and most people when they hear the word tourism they don't necessarily think of cultural economic development or economic development with a cultural emphasis. And so so for us, uh, the phrase we've coined cultural economic development is all about any business that is culturally related or tourism related and that is the essence of cultural economic development. And so it sounds to me like you've uh, carved out a very specific niche for yourself and your business in that you are in fact dealing with a cultural product, but you are fashioning your product to meet the needs and or the interests or requests of your customer. That's cultural economic development.
2: That's right, and everyone benefits when we develop regions uh, culturally and tourism-wise. We bring in the revenue. So let's say that if you come to Chicago, uh, we're going to take you to some mom and pops restaurants where they have these great places to eat that are only in Chicago. We might take you to an arts and crafts uh, place where you have local artisans, uh, farm to table restaurants. So. You know, we really try to promote the regions and what they have to offer. That's really our goal. And everyone benefits. If tourists are coming to your city, the people in transportation are making money. The people that um, are in the hotels are making money. The restaurants. And so it's economic development for everybody when we bring tourists to our cities.
0: So so how does how do your customers... Uh, find you, contact you? What is that process like?
2: Oh, I get that question quite a bit. Funny thing is, is we don't really do a whole lot of marketing or advertising. It's all by reputation and what we do. Uh, So many people out there have preformed itineraries and they go out and they sell those itineraries. And then people take a look at our website and they go, well, you don't have any itineraries on your website. And I said, that's because we want to get to know you first. And then we're going to design a tour based upon your needs. Now, in their head, they may have an idea of where they want to go. But maybe once I learn a little bit about them, I'll have another suggestion for them. Um, And that's how we get the right fit. So that people will enjoy their trip. Um, Things aren't always what they seem. So we try to get the right fit to make sure that everyone is happy.
0: So, one of the things that I'm curious to know what you your comment just led into this. I read somewhere that you had just won some fancy award <laughs> something about your custom itineraries can you tell us about that award
2: Yes, yeah. yeah. so Lux hospitality is a Magazine, International Magazine, and we won uh, Best Tour Services in the USA for our service. And they really liked our concept uh, of developing tours based upon the customer's needs and not a preformed itinerary. I think it tends to go with the type of people who read their magazine uh, who are looking for unique experiences. Uh, People who are well-traveled, they want something a little bit different, so they want you to be more creative. And... Our theory is we create experiences, not tours. That's really the difference between us and everyone else. So um, we were nominated again uh, for 2018 for the same award. and We're just going to continue to give great tours to everyone. We want everyone to be happy on our tours.
0: So when, let's say for the sake of this discussion, you have people who, people, someone who lives Maybe this is an international visitor who's coming to the United States, and they find out about your company. And so do they find you on the Internet? Um, How does that work?
2: Internet or referral. I tend to get referrals from other travel agents. So a lot of my business is referral.
0: Do they have a preconceived uh idea of what they want let's say you get some people from india or from asia what what is that like
2: well uh we do get a lot of people from india and um you know they want to see everything (laughs) that some of them it's their first time to america so they want to see as many things as they can in one day so we do as much as we can and their enthusiasm Is contagious. They're just so excited to be here in America. Uh, So, for example, I had a family uh, that came to visit me this summer, and the grandfather was 75 years old, and it was his first time to America. And he ran up to me as soon as he saw me, and he says, I want you to take me here, 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 (laughs) here. And uh, his son goes, Dad, Dad, she's just getting started. Leave her alone. Give her a second to breathe. And I looked at him and I said, you were just so excited to be here. And I said, we won't disappoint you. We're going to have a great day today. And at the end of the tour, he gave me a big hug because I just wore him out. I brought him to as many places as I could. And he really felt the value of his tour uh, that I brought him to all these great places that he wanted to see.
0: And so what I want you to convey to our listening audience is give us a picture of the uniqueness of your business so that they get a better understanding, clear understanding of why you got the award, why you're able to operate a cultural business, a cultural economic business in the cultural economic uh, uh, development arena without Marketing or major marketing and advertising. I've seen a number of stories on the news lately about how big businesses are no longer pouring their dollars into marketing, the traditional marketing vehicles. And what I'm hearing you say is you're in that same path. So, so paint us a picture so that we on the other side of your voice have a a better understanding, and help us to visualize what that is?
2: Well, um, for example, many of the large companies out there are corporations, and people are trying to get away from their corporate life and go on vacation. So they go from one corporation to another corporation, and then they feel tired at the end of their journey. What we do is just the opposite. Uh, We do not... Uh, jam-pack our itineraries full of things. We make things very leisurely for the client, and we consult them, and we try to find out what their interests are. And so we have, for example, an African-American tour of Washington, D.C. that we do that focuses on the history of African-Americans. And with the opening of the new museum, that's been very popular down there. Um, so that's Cater to a particular market who's really interested in that topic. And so we put that together for you based upon the number of days that you're available. So if somebody calls me and says, Listen, I'd like to bring my church uh, down to Washington, D.C. for three days. And this is what is important to us. Can you take us to these places? This is our priority. And they'll tell me what their priorities are. And then I'll work in a few more things and I'll put it together based upon their budget and based upon the amount of time they have available. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. One of the things that I I wanted to ask about is I was looking at my notes, and there was some comment about uh, something about a, this is an interesting segue uh, that has to do with your business, something about you being called to, uh, in a legal case, Uh, that has to do with impact upon tourism. Tell us about that. Well,
2: uh, there are people in the U.S. who are trying to keep their tourism community small, and they only want the people in their community to work. And so they've come up with these licensing programs, and you have to get a license in order to speak for a living in their city. And so uh, I've been called upon to uh, give testimony as to the First Amendment. And so that will be happening this spring. And um, we have to make sure that we can be free to speak in this country and not be controlled by government influence. And that's why I feel this case is really important, uh, because the government wants to control what we say to tourists. And we should be free to speak at any time we want. So that's why
0: now, this is an important case. This is a- absolutely amazing. <laughs> I never, I mean, I I would think that tourism is the last bastion that's left one of the few where government is not involved. That's what the thinking has been. But your what you just explained to us says not so much. Now they're coming to this door.
2: That's right. That's right. So the government wants to control and influence you in what you say to tourists. And this is not what our founding fathers fought for. That First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. It's the most important one, the one that we can't be silenced. And we should be able to give our opinion, our commentary, anything we'd like to say without any influence or interference by the government.
0: So, uh, how did that come about? Um, The legal issue, I mean.
2: uh, The legal issue, um, it's been going on for quite some time. I was not involved in it initially. um, But um, some people had tried to do tours, and they couldn't pass the licensing exam. And so, then they were denied an opportunity to have a business because they could not pass the exam and i don't think that's fair in this country uh, you don't even need a law degree to make a law so why do we you know have to control people's content of speech makes no sense
1: visit the where you can purchase an annual membership at the level of your choice And, of course, visit our website here to find out more about the show live from the Pullman National Monument at bbsradio.com forward slash live from PNM to contact us. Port Hughes-Peterson Publishing by visiting thepullmanmessenger.com. And purchase an annual subscription. It's just $12 a year. Or purchase an Anthology of Respect by Dr. Lynn Hughes. Available on Amazon.com.
0: So who came up with the, the exam in order to be a tour guide?
2: So the city comes up with the exam. The mm. city government. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's interesting. Now, where is this taking place?
2: Uh, Charleston, South Carolina.
0: Wow. That's going to set a dangerous precedent. <laughs> this is very interesting, it's also a very dangerous approach and a tactic to use. We're moving toward a police state in this country almost. It's, it's very, we're on a slippery slope here. Um, a tour guide is just that. It's a cultural product, and they ought to be able to say what they need to say about the product. I mean, let's say for the sake of this discussion, if, you have, uh, if you're have, if you operating a tour in Harlem, why do you need to have an exam to talk about history? That you happened?
2: don't. You don't. And New York City is one of the cities that require it. Um, but you don't it's protected in our bill of rights that we can speak freely at any time in this country so we don't need a license to speak um i think that's unfair uh, but there are unfair practices in this country that need to be fixed so let's fix it
0: <laughs> i'm i'm with you <laughs> i'm with you i i would like to i uh, I would like for you to talk more about your business because this show is, is about tourism and cultural economic development. So I would really like for you to share with our listening audience some informa- more information about your business and and so that they can get – because you never know who's listening and there may be somebody who has an idea – about a a cultural business or a tourism-related business that they would like to start. And they may think, well, you know, you have to have all of this startup capital and that kind of thing. So I think hearing from someone like you will help dispel that and perhaps point them in the right direction for whatever it is they might want to do.
2: Well, you know, we need to shift back to small businesses here in America. And we've got to start in the travel industry. Um, America was built upon small businesses. And so anyone who has the passion and the desire, just start in your local community and start being an expert in your community. And then you can grow your business from there. Um, but people are looking for small to medium-sized businesses uh, that can give them something more uh, than just a a cheap price, uh, a cookie-cutter tour. Uh, People are looking for experiences. They want to walk away and say, wow, I had a great time. And so I would encourage anyone who's interested in starting a business to just start locally. Become a local expert, and then you can expand your business from there.
0: Well... I think that's an excellent response. I right, let's go to break, take a quick break and come back. back. We are back with our guest, our wonderful guest today, Paula Reynolds, who is founder and president of the American Tour Guide Association, certified travel industry specialist. Aren't we fabulously special today to have have you with us, joining us today. Uh, I'm very pleased that you were, in fact, able to join us today because there's so much uh, information out there on this particular topic that I, I may not have been prepared to to ask the question on. But one of the things is that let's talk about something that people never talk about, and that is travel for children, What kind, what that means and what kind of experience and how they benefit from that.
2: Well, the student travel is actually a big part of our business here at American Tour Guide Association. We feel that you really have to expose people at a very young age to get them traveling and seeing the world. Uh, young people are open-minded, so they're the perfect candidates for travel. Um, so in the spring, we do a lot of education tours because part of the curriculum for middle school kids will be uh, Washington, D.C., government history. So we bring a lot of the kids to D.C. A lot of the performing art groups like to go to Chicago and New York City, and they like to see other people perform, connect with other people in the industry. Um, Travel really does help a young person grow, and it's just such a pleasure when you they get on a plane for the first time and they step off there and they go, wow, you know, here I am with my friends and my parents aren't here. And I'm traveling on my own. <laughs> it's such a thrill for the young people to feel so independent. But they are open minded, which is one of the reasons why I really like working with young people.
0: So how does that work when you you, you have a group of children and their parents don't come with them? How does that happen? How is that structured? And how are you able to handle
2: that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have our ratios. <laughs> but uh, the teacher at the school will make all of the arrangements, and they need a certain number of teachers or chaperones to come with them to manage the group. Uh, the funny thing is students stay together better than adults because they're used to staying together, so they're actually pretty good, the kids. Um works out great because the teacher can follow a curriculum and so we can focus on things that they're working on in the classroom and if we're doing performing arts we can work on things that they're working on in their music so depending on what they're doing in school we can relate that in their travel
0: so do you know are you made aware before you take the group that kind, Are you aware of that kind of information?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, I sit down and have a consultation. So one thing that's really nice about our service is we have a consultation with everyone that we work with, and we make sure we get the right fit. And so sometimes we'll get people to say, look, I don't like museums, no museums. Uh, we like food. Make sure that there's three good meals a day. You know. So we sit down and we figure out what it is that they really want to do and they like, and then I enhance it with my knowledge and experience. Um, but for the most part, um, what I've discovered is that um, kids like connecting with other people or stories. And they love food. I've learned that kids love food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you had at home run when you do that. Well, this is very um, interesting information. And I'm glad we... we I uh, touched on that subject because, you know, we have a broad listening audience. And so this may or may not be uh, information that a lot of parents, uh, know about and are aware of. And, and, and perhaps you're sharing this information with us will help them sort of be on the lookout and be supportive and encouraging. Now, wanted yes. to say, uh, before we, before we, uh, get too sidetracked, I want to make sure that you share with our listening audience your contact information, your website, and how they can reach you um, um, because we're trying to build you give you business uh, as well. So how about doing that?
2: Yes. um, Our website is www.americantourguide.org. And you can just go into the website and you can put in a request and say, hey, I'm interested in bringing a student group to Chicago and we'd like to focus on performing arts, history, you know, just kind of let me know what you're interested in and then uh, I will follow up and I will have a consultation and figure out what we can do for you. Uh, So, yeah, if you just go to our website and then give me some ideas to think about what you're interested in, we'll be happy to put uh, a customized itinerary together for you. Uh, and have you come see beautiful America? We want you guys to come to the United States and visit us. Uh, we love guests, and so we really uh, want to take care of our our tourists that come to visit us.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Um, and lastly, I want to say I can't thank you enough. We so very much appreciate your giving up your Sunday, a part of your Sunday, to visit with us today, to be our online guest, and we hope that you won't forget about us and 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 come again be uh, a calling guest and come again and um i just would like to say thank you very much and uh, listening audience join me in thanking paula reynolds founder and president of the american tour guide association certified travel industry specialist and we are so grateful uh, that you joined us today. This was a lovely visit. You provided us with very interesting and informative information for our listening audience, and we hope that you will come again.
2: I will definitely be back and uh, to visit you, and I'll be back on the show, and I want to thank you for what you do for the tourism industry. It's so nice to have a network here on this station to be able to talk about tourism, so thank you, Dr. Hughes.
0: You're so welcome. Don't you love BBS Radio? I love them. They were just, things happen at the right time. I don't believe things happen by accident. Things happen at the right time. And the folks at BBS Radio Network are wonderful people. They're fabulous to work with. Uh, Even for a a relic like me, sometimes it's not always easy. (laughs) But, But they are gracious and kind and patient. Uh, and allow me to do this because I do think that the show is important i I get that same vibe and that same those similar kind of comments from people when people learn about the show them it's like that's a fabulous idea so we we like to think that uh we're doing a good job and and having guests like you to support and endorse us uh is a great thing so everybody, thank you we mm-hmm. This was an absolutely wonderful show, and I wanted just to take a few minutes to give a shout out to Pathfinders Travel Magazine. They are celebrating their 21st anniversary of the publish of the publication. Uh, Pathfinders Travel Magazine is a magazine that is focused on a particular niche, and in our case, it is focused on. Uh, African-American travel destinations uh, or people of color destinations. This publication that is out just last week, as a matter of fact, is an absolutely gorgeous uh, publication. It's very well done. I want to give a shout out to Weller Thomas, the publisher and CEO, and the editor, Pamela Thomas, who who just do an amazing job with this publication. There are fantastic articles in there that inform uh, travelers, lots of national articles and uh, information on international destinations like Cuba, a wonderful article in there on the Bahamas, Uh, lots of wonderful information, excellent article on travel scams uh, hello, people. <laughs> they have a, a, a great article on passport preparation and just a plethora of information on travel uh, preparation and destinations and locations and tips, uh, both national and international. They, uh, check out their website. It's Pathfinders Travel, Pathfinders with an S, travel.com. Full disclosure, uh, the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum is highlighted in the uh, publication this month, uh, and we are very honored uh, for that. Um, They didn't have to do that, but they did, and we're just very pleased. As you know, we say at the opening of this show, this show is about 100% focusing on tourism, global tourism, and so we have... Uh, information and guests, and we try to provide you with informative information on national and international travel and tourism destinations and provide you with the most current and recent information, and we cover every aspect of of the travel and tourism agency or industry, I should say. And we're grateful that you, the listening audience, give up some of your Sunday to spend with us. And we're grateful to all of you, the listening audience, for that. And we thank you. And I hope that today's show was informative for you. And pretty soon in the next month, I think we're going to begin to uh, change the format a little and begin to have call-ins so that you, the listening audience, will be able to let us know what you think directly. So send us an email and tell us what you think about that. I'm excited about it. uh but the show is for you and about you, and so we need to hear from you to let us know what you think. And I will say so Today's show is partially underwritten by United Auto Workers, Local 551, and Hughes Peterson Publishing, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us today. This means a great deal to us. This show means a great deal to us, and we want to thank everybody. Thank you for sharing with us another informative show on the ever-expanding topic of tourism. Thank you to the listening audience for spending part of your Sunday with us. And a very special thank you to the Pullman Messenger Magazine, United Auto Workers, Local 551, and Chew Chicago. Thank you to our fantastic engineer, Mr. Don Newsom, smooth jazz artist, Jonathan Fritzen, for allowing us to use his music on our show every week. And last but not least, you, the listening audience, because without you, there would be no show. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Pullman National Monument.
1: Live from Pullman National Monument was brought to you by Hughes Peterson Publishing in Chicago, Illinois. Hosted by Dr. Lynn Hughes.